Please share this podcast with a friend. Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Our narrative takes us to Florida and the French Protestant Huguenot colonists in 1565 when the Spanish decided to enforce their claim to La Florida and establish the settlement of St. Augustine to challenge the French at nearby Fort Caroline. Eric Yanis of the Other States of America podcast continues his compelling version of this incredible story. Welcome back to our thrilling next chapter in the saga of French Florida. The entire Fort Caroline colony was packed up, ready to go, on death's door, dying of starvation, heading towards the boats. They were leaving. But just as the French were ready to abandon their claim to Florida, pack up and head home, ships were spotted on the horizon. Now, if these were Spanish ships, the entire colony was doomed. Each individual person also doomed, especially the Huguenots. The Spanish would see these people as a den of pirates on Spanish territory. They would either be executed on the spot or turned into galley slaves. But it just so happened that these were French ships. So just as the colony was about to die, it was given a jolt of electricity and brought back to life. And the man commanding these French ships was none other than Jean Rebaud. That's right, the man who's been locked in the Tower of London. He got into a bit of an argument with Queen Elizabeth. He may have tried to steal some ships from her with a less-than-above-board deal. And he was locked in the Tower of London. But now, here he was, back in Florida, by orders of his boss, the Admiral of the Navy, and maybe the leading Huguenot in France at this moment, Admiral Gaspard de Caligny. And so, Jean Ribot left in June of 1565. He brought with him 600 new settlers, seven ships. These new settlers would, of course, be majority Huguenot, which would be French Protestant, mostly of the Calvinist variety. And our long-suffering leader at Fort Caroline, Laudonnaire, received Ribot, his boss, an old friend, old leader, both of them men of nobility. But Ribot had written orders to recall Laudonnaire, based on the reports of runaways and mutineers and other scallywags that had made it back to France. Laudonnaire's good name had been soiled, and after all the starvation and the battles and the heat and the storms and every other problem, the conflicting alliances, his ships being stolen, him trying to buy new ships, him trying to build ships, and all these other little tiny problems that Laudonnaire had just weathered. You could argue whether he's been a good leader or not, but he's still there. The colony's still put together. They were ready to go. And not only did Jean Rabot show up and say, Laudonnaire, not only is the colony staying, and we're going to keep this thing going, this nightmare that you've had to live through, but you're in trouble. But to Jean Rabot's credit, he realized that these reports on Laudonnaire had been exaggerated. They came from people who rebelled against him people who mutinied. It came from the worst people in the colony who abandoned the mission, abandoned the concept of the colony, usually to go off and be pirates. And so Jean Ribot said to Laudonnaire, you don't have to go back. You don't have to answer for these charges. I'm going to put in a good word for you. But then to Laudonnaire's credit, he said, no, I've been accused of these things. I will return to France. I will write my good name. And so overnight, French Florida changed all over again. It was reborn and went from being a starving small colony Everyone basically living in Fort Caroline, just preparing to leave, trying to scrounge up enough food from the Native Americans in order to feed themselves on the way back. And then all of a sudden, 600 new well-fed settlers show up with tons of supplies and their returned, decorated leader, Jean Rabot. So this all sounds like good news, but Rabot showed up with a huge piece of bad news. Turns out, the Spanish, by this point, know pretty much where Fort Caroline is. 
there had been so many captured French pirates who mutinied from Fort Caroline, who pretty much gave everything away. And the Spanish were prepared to wipe out French Florida. The King of Spain himself told Catherine de' Medici, currently running France for her son, that he was preparing to expel these French interlopers from Spanish territory. Although France and Spain were at peace, this wasn't a wartime move. He was simply removing people from his land that didn't belong there. Not an issue for a warlord, it was more of an issue for a landlord. I'm simply evicting people who do not belong. Furthermore, the Spanish had spies in every French port, reporting on all of Rabot's activities. His strength in men, the supplies they carried, the number of ships, everything. And also, the uber-ultra-Catholic element of France were leaking information about Rabot's activities to the Spanish. Because, of course, in the eyes of some, if you're a French Catholic, you have more loyalty to a Spanish Catholic than a French Huguenot. And so, before Rabot could even really get settled in, again, sails spotted on the horizon, ships rapidly approaching the coast, and this time, it was a Spanish fleet. So from the time Rabot arrives to the time the Spanish show up, we're talking about a week, and that's all. Which sounds like a lot of time in today's terms, but it really isn't. Fort Caroline is a little inland. We're talking about right there on the coast. It's hard to get information from there and back again. You have to move supplies. You're moving 600 colonists. A week is nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. And talk about being caught with your pants down the French fleet was still unloading supplies. They were not ready for an engagement when the Spanish sailed up upon them. And the commander of the Spanish fleet was Pedro Menendez de Avilis, who had been given the title of governor of this vast stretch of land that overlapped with French Florida. And now it was up to the two men here, Jean Rabot or Menendez, to impose one's vision upon this land. Menendez was anxious to carve out a little realm of his own in the Spanish Empire. He was also fearful that the French presence in Florida would cause slaves in all the islands and parts south to rebel. The French would be fueling slave revolts, which would essentially cripple the Spanish Empire at this point. And so when Menendez and his fleet came upon the French unprepared, close to the coast, unloading cargo, Jean Rabot was overlooking operations, luckily. And Menendez said to him, screaming from his boat, that you need to surrender, that this was the land of the King of Spain, and you people need to go. Jean Rabot replied, I will die first. And then he had his men cut their anchors, and they immediately headed out to the open ocean, skirting past the Spanish fleet in a bold move that they did not see coming. Menendez gave chase, but he could not catch Rabot and his men, and soon they lost sight of one another. Rabot very quickly and very stealthily got back to the coast, back upstream, back to Fort Caroline, to regroup, to reorganize, to come up with a plan. Rabot himself had seen the strength of the Spanish fleet and knew that they were intent on building a rival colony. Rabot concluded that he needed to strike first. He needed to head back out onto the ocean in his ships with as much force as he could and find where Menendez was attempting to set up a base of operations and wipe them out before they could create any sort of defensive stronghold. That was the plan. His number two, of course, is Laudanair. Laudanair at this point had become quite sick. He was feeling ill. Nothing that would kill him, mind you, but he was sick enough where he wasn't going to be going anywhere. Laudanair warned Rabot. He said, you don't understand. We come from France. This is Florida. There are storms here that you wouldn't believe, where the ocean tosses waves dozens of feet in the air, nothing like you've seen in France. Rabot would hear none of it, even though his good friend Laudanair was pressing for a little more caution, a little more time to plan. 
he went out onto the ocean, searching for Menendez. Menendez, having lost Rabo in his pursuit, felt the same urge for a hasty decision, and he knew that he had to settle down as fast as possible, create that base of operations in order to take out Rabo. Rabo had a name that was known across Europe. This was not a man to be trifled with, and if he was to be taken out, he was to be taken out as fast as possible. So both men, without thinking, were rapidly preparing for their next engagement. And Menendez settled down as fast as he could, found the first good place on the coast, and he named his settlement St. Augustine. But before he could ever even build it up to any degree, there was Rabo hot on his tails. He found him right away. Menendez was defenseless. He had no way to defend against Rabo, who brought a superior amount of men. But here's the question. How do you land those men? You can't just bring a big old ship up next to a shore. You can't just go into a bay. You just can't approach a coastline without having some idea of what's going on underneath that water. You could destroy all your ships. Rabot faced a similar situation. He could see Menendez's little tiny colony being built up. No defenses yet. Smaller than even the numbers he had on his own boats. Ready for the picking. However, he wasn't sure how he could get to them safely. So he lingered off the coast just for a little while. But it was long enough for a hurricane to come rolling in. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Rabot, with all of his experience and charisma, all of his legendary status and all the great things you can still read about him to this day, some 450 years later, was not prepared for a Florida hurricane. And his ships were scattered, crashed against rocks, blown back out to the open ocean, gone. There was no cohesion anymore. Everyone ended up in a different place. Usually the ships were broken and tattered and scattered along the coastlines with no plan B. No provisions, no directions, very few maps. This is when Menendez makes his rash move, his gamble, his poker hand. He plays it. And so with a force of 500 men, Menendez left overland in the rain. September 6th, 1565. Menendez said to his troops before marching overland in the rain, Comrades, the time has come we show our courage and zeal. This is God's war, and we must not flinch. It is a war with Lutherans. And we must wage it with blood and fire. And four days later, in the early morning, while the rain was coming down, and all the residents of Fort Caroline were all sleeping, feeling safe, because who's going to come attack in these torrential rainstorms? Who even wants to walk through the forest in that? Quickly had the walls of the fort breached without anybody knowing. And the French found themselves being slaughtered in their beds. Menendez had taken them by complete surprise. Menendez didn't need to show any mercy, give any warning. This was a holy war in his mind. 
And this was in Spanish territory. These Huguenots had surrendered all right to their life and livelihood and humanity and dignity when they had disgraced the Catholic Church by abstaining from its sacraments and by being in territory they had no business being in. Because of the rain, the Spanish had to use swords and pikes and they had to forego firearms, which wouldn't work in the rain back then. And so they stabbed people to death in their beds. But not every resident of Fort Caroline was currently sleeping. The Spaniards nearly captured me while I was on my way to work, tools in hand. They met me as I came out of my cabin. I could think of no way of escaping but to turn tail and run as fast as I was able. A pikeman chased me, but by the grace of God, my strength was doubled. Poor old man that I am, and gray-headed, I leaped over the rampart, which I could not have done if I had thought about it, for it was about eight or nine feet high. Once over, I raced towards the forest. When I was about bow shot from the woods, I turned my face towards the fort and waited a little. Emboldened, because no one was following me, from where I stood I saw the fort. I heard the horrible sounds of the slaughter and perceived the three standards which our enemy had planted upon the ramparts. Having now abandoned all hope of meeting my friends again, I put my trust in God. Laudanere himself, in his pajamas, and very ill, was able to fight his way through the Spaniards. He was stabbed in the process and then made it over the walls, staying on top as long as he could to pull fellow Frenchmen over to safety. In the water, just outside of Fort Caroline, managing the boats, just outside the reach of the Spaniards who came on foot, was Jacques Rebaud, Jean's son, who is described by all as a coward. He had in his command a couple small river sloops that he was keeping away from the shores of the river, obviously. And the Spaniards called out to him, offered him safety if he would come and surrender those ships to them. He, of course, refused, which was the smart thing to do. And during this time, he was paralyzed. He was frozen. He could have made some moves to try to rescue some of his fellow Frenchmen. He did not. He stood there and watched as everyone he knew in this colony was butchered. Jacques noticed that the Spanish were throwing objects at him and taunting him. He realized that those objects were eyeballs and that the Spanish had been gouging out the eyeballs of his friends and throwing them at him in his boats. The Spanish shouted out to him, Bring your boats, we will load them with the women and the children, and you can take them back to safety, back to France. Jacques did not trust the Spanish, and or was too cowardly to even approach them. Although he's remembered as a coward, this might have been the right move. As it turns out, the records show that the Spanish did spare the women and the children. Out in the forest, the gathering of the French refugees, you could call them, into a little camp on the way outskirts, peeking in on the activities of the Spanish, finding their plight so diminished, so sad, so pathetic. One Frenchman decided to surrender to the Spanish. This Frenchman approached the Spanish, fell down on his knees, clasped his hands together, and begged the Spanish for mercy as he was surrendering defenseless and in peace. And they ran a pike through his body, killed him right there on the spot. Which, of course, caused all the Frenchmen at the tree line to once again flee. All in all, the Spanish lost one single soldier, and about 143 Frenchmen were massacred. This was a complete victory for the Spanish. Fort Caroline was taken, the center and really the whole of French Florida destroyed. The Frenchmen that were spared, mostly Catholics or musicians. If any of the men could be identified before being murdered as a man of wealth, they were held for ransom. And the musicians, of course, were kept alive to entertain the soldiers who had murdered all their family and friends. Menendez had all of the religious items associated with the Huguenots gathered together at the fort and had them burned. 
And then he took most of the dead Protestants and gathered them together and burned them. And then he took a few of them and hung them on a tree outside of the fort and put up a sign that said, I do this not to Frenchmen, but to Lutherans. Menendez made it clear this was not a war between Spain and France. This was a holy war between God and the devil. Having achieved everything he sought out to do, Menendez left a few people at the fort and then went back to his small little settlement of St. Augustine, knowing that Rabot could still be lurking nearby. After some time, he began receiving reports from friendly natives about the French fleet that had been scattered and shipwrecked along the coast. He received word that parties of French soldiers were living out in the woods, begging natives for food, that they were desolate, they were separated from one another in small groups, and they were essentially of no threat to Menendez at all. But he went hunting for them anyway. The first group he found, coming upon them with overwhelming force, yelled out to them as they asked for parley, as they asked for terms of surrender from the Spanish on their behalf. He said to them, offering them nothing, by his own account said to them, I hold you as enemies and wage deadly war against you. This I will do with all cruelty. He reported to have said this to many different groups of Frenchmen he found as he trolled the coastline. The group that he found that contained Jean Rabot, Menendez supposedly, by his own account, said to them, I told him he could surrender up the arms and give themselves up to my mercy, that I might do with them that which our Lord ordered. One of the soldiers with Menendez also reported the parley between Rabot and Menendez. And after Rabot asked for terms of surrender, the following happened. After much parley between him and our general, the general replied and said that he did not wish to give such a word, but that he should do with them as he wished. In other words, unconditional surrender, have no expectation to walk out of this situation alive. Now the French version of Rabot's surrender came from a French soldier who was there at the time. This is the French source. Credits Menendez with eight promises to Rabot. So, here's the situation. Rabot's going to surrender, and Menendez promised. He not only pledged his faith to La Calais in the terms suggested, and confirmed the pledge with many signs of the cross, and by kissing the cross, but made oath in the presence of all his men, and drew up a writing sealed with his seal, repeating the oath and promising that he would without fraud, faithfully, and like a gentleman and a man of honesty, preserve the lives of Rabot and his men. Two very different accounts of the same event, written down not too long after the event actually happened. So somebody's covering up something here, or somebody's trying to make someone else look really bad. We don't really know which one is the truth. On the one hand, you have one guy saying, surrender unconditionally, your life is forfeit, you aren't Catholic, you've belonged to a fallen faith. And then on the other hand, you have a different account, where Menendez made all of these flowery, wonderful promises to Rabot. Either way, upon hearing from Menendez that he had taken Fort Caroline and slaughtered everybody there, Rabot surrenders. Next time, we conclude the saga of 16th century Protestant settlements in the territory of Florida. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. Doctors endorse it. Nutritionists recommend it. 
And customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calotrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calotrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y, using the code 30605.